G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Camille, welcome back to 2020. Hi, Neil. Good to be with you in the heart of Australia. You are in the heart of Australia. What are your impressions of Alice Springs? Well, it's a rather remarkable place because you go flying, as I saw yesterday, over Lake Eyre, and it was a little tiny bit of water, but mostly not. And then over just out back, it seems like there's just nothing anywhere to be found. And then you come down uh, to the runway, and there's this oasis sandwiched between the McDonald Ranges called Alice Springs. And it's very nice weather today. It's sunny. It'll be 28. I think it was three and a half degrees in the morning, so it does get cold. It is the winter, of course, but it's, it's very beautiful. It is it just sits there like a nice, shall we put it, a nice settlement. Uh, it has, you know, everything, a little shopping mall and vibrant uh, restaurant culture and all this kind of thing, and it's just 28,000 people. It's an amazing place in the wilderness. Well, I think people in Alice, and I know there's lots of listeners in Alice Springs, and many of those will hopefully come out to see you deliver the first, and what a privilege it is for people in Alice Springs getting the very first instalment of the Understanding the Times tour. I mentioned the Church of the Ascension there in Bath Street in Alice Springs. You're speaking there tonight. There's a breakfast you're speaking tomorrow at the Ibis Styles Oasis Hotel. That's a 7.30 a.m. breakfast in Alice Springs, and uh, it's an exciting time to be getting things underway. To whet the appetites of people who might be Uh, within reach of seeing you speak with the Understanding the Times tour at all sorts of locations all around Australia. We'll give people the details as to how they can find out exactly where you're going to be speaking. But I guess today we want to be able to talk about some of those global trends that you'll be enlarging on in your presentation. Uh, If you were thinking, Camille, about the biggest trend right now, the most important one that is uh, on the uh, world stage, in the headlines, and uh, most relevant for us to be thinking about, which one would you choose as, uh, as the highest priority to talk about? Neil, you ask a hard question. <laughs> because there <laughs> well, are so many, yes. There are so many. So because there's so many, the, the, th- instead of a single mountain peak, we'll have a few mountain peaks, okay? First of all, we'll look at Brexit, where the U.K. voted to leave the European Union. I can't stress enough how important that particular vote was. And we will look at it, and we'll look at Europe as, as a whole in light of Brexit, because it affects us. It even, guess what, it even affects Alice Springs, Northern Territories. It affects everyone. We will look at Turkey, because Turkey is constantly in the news, I have been saying for years that anyone who's been following me will actually quote, quote me saying, watch Turkey. And so, of course, we will have a good penetrating look at Turkey, one of the most important countries in the whole world. And then there will be, of course, Israel, because Israel's never out of the news. 
what's happening there, how does it affect everyone, and so on. And I probably will be dragged into the U.S. presidential election campaign a little bit, so I'll probably say a few words there, too. But even the U.S. presidential election or the recent Australian federal election shows a trend of, how shall we say, populism and, and some cases instability as well. And where possible, I will address that, especially in light of uh, what's happening. And then, of course, as always, Neil, we'll look at what you can do about it spiritually, how you can prepare for the future, how you can actually face the future with confidence rather than dread and denial. Let's talk about the difference between populism in the headlines that we'll read in the newspapers and see on our news reports and understanding global trends and big pictures. Because if we were talking about the US, well, I mean, the latest headlines in the US, all about Donald Trump calling uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton co-founders of Islamic State, uh, igniting fresh criticism of uh, in his usual inflammatory campaign style. That would be the domination of the headlines and uh, the populism. What's the difference when you are thinking about what's going on in the headlines and what you like to talk about is the rolling uh, uh, issues of global trends? Okay, the difference is that headlines are that. They are headlines. They take something and make it into a well, sellable commodity, I would say. Not that they're always inaccurate or wrong, but the headlines don't always explain the trend that's happening. That's what I've always tried to do. I don't get too wrapped up in headlines, never have done. What I look at is what's the underlying trend that's creating some of these headlines. And like with the U.S. presidential campaign, which is not done in a vacuum across the Western world, there is a rise of populism, and populism where people are telling people what they really want to hear, not what's the politically correct version, is just spreading across Europe and across the uh, U.S., and even in Australia with the Senate campaign, we had some populist uh, people come into the Senate. So w- why is that? We look, at, we look at these kind of things because it's really important. Why do we call this understanding the times? Tour is because it comes from First Chronicles twelve thirty two. Sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Our goal, Neil, regardless of what my topic is, is not only to tell people what is happening, but why it's happening. Because when you know the what and the why, you will know exactly what you need to do, and that's as essential for leaders as it is for people in general. Camille, talk to me about context, because here we are, 21st century Australia. Uh, You've got a biblical context, the way God's dealings are happening with his people, the people of Israel, and uh, you've got these global trends. How do all of these things fit in together? Okay, well, one of the trends, and for those that were at Understanding the Times last year, because this is our second annual tour with Vision. Last year, we learned one of the trends was the great shaking, found in Haggai 2.6 and Hebrews 12.25 to 29. Everything that is temporal is being shaken. 
And it seems to me we're experiencing that shaking in the political realm, certainly in the Western world, as we saw with our federal election and, and other things. So when we understand there's a shaking going on, and when we understand why it's happening, basically Hebrews 12 tells us that the temporal things will be shaken, I'm paraphrasing, to make room for the unshakable kingdom of Christ. These things appear to be happening before our very eyes. And, of course, most people, they won't pick it up because there is a trend about, well, not being attuned to Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is not meant to scare people, Neil. Some people think that's all it does, scare the daylights out of the individual. That's not the purpose at all. It's a bright light shining in a dark place, 2 Peter 1.19. When we see that light shining, then we will be children of Issachar, we will understand what's going on, we will prepare accordingly. So the shaking that's been actually happening more or less for the last century, uh, unbelievable changes in human history, unprecedented changes, and to me that's just the lead up to the ultimate shaking where the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. When we talk about the last days, Camille, and I know you like to talk about Bible prophecy, and you do talk about the last days, but you're not necessarily making a timeline in the way that you teach about the last days, the way that you get a focus uh, on these uh, biblical issues of last days is by actually making reference to these global trends. Well, I don't, I don't in these meetings make a timeline. I do believe there is a credible timeline found in Scripture of certain events here or there. There are, of course, disagreements not about the event, but their place in a timeline, like, for example, the rapture, which is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. And there's disagreement, where does the rapture fit in the prophetic timeline? Is it before a tribulation period or in the middle or after? Okay, so I don't actually, at least not in these meetings, deal with the timeline, but I can, and without hesitation will, refer to at least certain key things that will happen, even if I don't say where they are in in the prophetic timeline. So, like the shaking that is spoken of, that part, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we are in the lead-up to it. We're almost like having the calisthenics warming up before the big event. But see... Again, for our listeners, they need to understand, God has provided a way of escape. You don't have to be caught by the storms of life. You don't have to be on the sinking sand. Jesus Christ says, hear and do my word. You can have your house on the rock. So I always want to emphasize that, because that is practical. That is something you can do now. It is an excellent opportunity in understanding the times to encourage people to invest in their spiritual life and put the things of God first. Because people who do that are future-ready, and they will have no regrets. Well, I want to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. You might have your own question. You might have a comment about global trends, whether it's the Brexit, whether it's Europe, whether it's Israel, 
could be Turkey, could be the US, could be what's going on in Australia. Our talkback line open and uh, whatever question you have, uh, you're welcome to put that to Dr. Camille Majdali on the eve of the Understanding the Times tour. Uh, Camille, let's talk about the shaking and what that might mean. Uh, One of the biggest issues that have happened of recent times, of course, is the Brexit. And uh, it has uh, ramifications for uh, not only the UK, but uh, for Europe and for the rest of the world. Uh, what sort of things ought we be aware of when it, when it comes to the issues of the Brexit? OK, well, some of the issues we should know about, because I'm not even sure how much people in the UK were aware of issues. I'm, not to say they weren't aware. They were aware of things happening. But one of the big issues had to do with national sovereignty, which is an issue that's under assault worldwide, not just with Britain and not just in the EU. National sovereignty, where a a nation-state is free to choose the way it should go in consultation, of course, with its people, the electorate, and so on. This concept of national sovereignty has had many pluses. It does have some minuses, too, depending on, on the nation. But if the nation-state has some good foundations, then it is a plus, because it's much better to be ruled by your own people within your own territory than it is by some, some empire halfway around the world. All right? So national sovereignty was one of the issues. And one of the things I learned is that 59% of the laws in Britain actually were coming out of Brussels. Now, that is... That is staggering, 59%. So in other words, the British electorate could be telling the politicians at Westminster, we want this, we want that. But when you're actually getting directives from Brussels rather than from London, then that, is, uh, that was a very, very big concern. Another issue had to do with national identity. And, of course, there is no country in the world that is left fingerprints all over, like Britain, whether it's uh, the common law, the Magna Carta, two industrial revolutions, the English language, and all that is given to the world, their, their contributions have been enormous. All of that has been put to the side as part of members of the EU. And the, the British people are basically wanting to make a decision. Are we going to just sit in our corner of Europe mind our own business, we're no better than any other country, and pretty much put up and shut up? Or do we want to continue to show the leadership that we've shown over the years? That, that really, in my opinion, was a major thing, even though it wasn't said out loud as much as it could have been. But I really do believe that was a factor as well. And that's not counting the economic issues of how much money was going to Brussels year after year, and how little they were getting in return. We talk about the political situation in Australia, something of the shaking that's been going on. How does Australia fit in with some of the shaking we've been talking about? Well, fortunately, unfortunately, Australia fits in very well (laughs) because it's no longer a day away uh, from, say, Europe. It's it's very much drawn into the globalised world. One of the things that really... needs consideration is that, first of all, to the outsider that knows anything about Australia, they would think of the unique flora and fauna. They would think of democracy, prosperity, 
opportunity and political stability. That is something I've actually read it from outside sources. Australia is known for political stability, and for many years, rightly so. But when you've got five prime ministers in five years and a very rough-and-tumble recent federal election, even Australia's political stability, which is, look, it's still there to some extent, but not like before. We should be asking the question, what's going on here? And more importantly, why is it happening? Why do we have what we've had with the changing musical chairs of prime ministers as well as a turbulent uh, federal election? And so, you know, there are, in my opinion, some reasons for that. And I don't claim to be know everything, but I spend so much time observing the scenes roundabout, and so that's why I have a platform to do it, and and and, it's, and so on. Yeah, but anyway, Australia. One of the things I want to say, and it's not just to Australia; it's worldwide. We have to restore the virtue of a democratic process, which sounds funny because we just had elections. But what I'm saying is. There is an undermining of democracy happening all the time, all over the place. If democracy is undermined, even a little, it will cause a shaking. For the simple reason, our democratic foundations that this nation was established on, if they're tampered with, and there's a tremor here or there, then we feel the shaking far more than if the foundations are left intact, then we hardly feel anything when a tremor comes. We're taking calls. Let's uh, hope everything is restored now. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, good day, Neil. Good day, Camille. Yeah, I just uh, I think when Camille first started, he said that the uh, Brexit was the major thing, and I, I think just uh, I agree because I reading an article in you know the Christian Friends of Israel magazine, which is quite a brilliant article, and it says by uh, David Howard Sudlow, it says EU catastrophe heralds Jesus is coming. It says, you know, the exit by uh, UK means, you know, that they can't veto any attempts of the EU to uh, move further militarily and politically, you know. With um, And now that uh, Britain is gone, they'll do anything to stop all the other states from leaving. So it could be, a, you know, the beast could get really rolling, yeah. Uh, Camille, your thoughts on Chris's uh, input there? Okay. Uh, hi, Chris. I just considering that... W- it's and funny, funnily enough, it's really early days with the Brexit and how the EU will respond. They're responding. It's of interest. Their first response is, well, if you want out, we're going to we want you out as soon as possible. But we're bearing in mind that Britain has been a part of this organization over 40 years. So you just can't snap your fingers and walk out. What they will do in the future, actually, in my opinion, remains to be seen. All I can say is that in light of the migrant crisis in the European Union last year, where 1.1 million migrants entered in, I'm not sure they really know what to do. They are just they're trying to find their way as they go along. I would say they've hit a major speed bump, but at the same time, we're just still watching to see what will happen. What is interesting is that the new prime minister of Britain, her name is Theresa May, she voted to stay in the EU. But once she became prime minister, she said 
Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. I guess what I'm getting at is Britain is part of Europe, but Britain has always been different to Europe. And Brexit, in one sense, confirms that unique British identity. And what I haven't even touched on, gentlemen, was the role of at least some Christians in Britain who were praying and fasting for this referendum because the Brexit was really the underdog compared to Bremain. And they prayed and they fasted, and as far as they're concerned, God heard their prayers. So what will the EU do on all this? We're still watching. I'm not even sure they know what they're doing, but this has never happened before. Nobody has voted to leave the EU. But remember, it is not a federation. It's a confederation. And therefore, technically speaking, it's voluntary to be in the union, and people, or nation states, I should say, are allowed to, to go out. That's why they have Article 50 of the Treaty of Lisbon, which gives them that provision to leave. So it, technically, Britain did a legitimate move. It was nothing untoward in the EU, and the EU has to honor that, because technically speaking, the EU is committed to democracy, although their commitment to democracy is nothing like what we've seen uh, in, in times gone by, like, say, the United States and others. Chris from Victoria, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin. Yes, hi. Um, I, I really like um, what you say, um, Camille, and um, I'm hoping I can get to your meetings because I, I try to keep up with all these things that are happening in the world, but I, I really admire your cautioning as well because um, we, we, it's important for us not to stick to one scenario but perhaps just be open-minded a bit. But the other thing that I, I uh, appreciate what you're saying is that we really do need to get our hearts right more than just know mentally what's happening because we can, with our minds, uh, jump to conclusions and miss the whole point of the spiritual importance of us um, being alone with God and, and seeing him as Lord over all the things that happen. So I thank you. And Camille, I'm to get your to thoughts on what Robin's sharing? Well, thank you, Robin, for your comments. I, I think you hit on something very true. By nature, I am cautious. I don't like sticking my neck out and making outlandish claims. And then, of course, if they don't come to pass, I'm in denial and don't even, and don't even retract. I mean, I don't like any of that. I believe all that we are talking about and all that we face, when you face them as believers, we know, Romans 8.28, God works all things together for our good. God is preparing us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The sh- what, one of the benefits, if I can actually use that term, of the shaking. In fact, it's actually called in Hebrews a promise of shaking. <laughs> I never thought that being shaken was something to look forward to. But one of the benefits of it is it actually wakes people up out of the sleep, like an alarm clock. It wakes people up so that they will see what God is doing and turn their hearts to him. That's really why we have Understanding the Times. Understanding the Times is to help call people to a pure, uh, undefiled, undistracted, single-minded devotion to God. Not as some religious zealot or fanatic. No, as the kind of people God always intended. Spiritual people who are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. So Understanding the Times 
is is like this early warning service, this wake-up call to help people to come back to their devotion. So I'm glad you picked up on that, Robin. Thank you. Robin from Mount Morgan, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback lines remain open. We're going to have a break for Vision National News and continuing our conversation. We're talking about the Understanding the Times tour, a shaking that's going on in the world. You might have your own input. You might have a question for Dr. Camille Majdali, and we'll continue our conversation after news. 1-800-316-316. Camille, of course, kicking off the Understanding the Times tour in Alice Springs. And you'll be able to see him tonight at the Church of the Ascension and tomorrow morning at a breakfast in Ibis Styles Oasis Hotel. Camille, I'm looking forward to actually being with you at the, one of those presentations, two of those presentations on Sunday, because this is the first time we've actually been meeting people who are listeners to Faith in the Future in the one spot. That's right. We've been on Faith in the Future for over two years now, maybe two and a half years, but this is the first time that you and I are meeting our listeners together. So that is an opportunity. It's happening in the Adelaide area, in Salisbury, and at Port Elliot. So I hope our listeners will come and see us uh, in person. We affectionately refer to Faith and the Future program as uh, A Meal with Neil and Camille. Uh, So this will be an opportunity for listeners in Adelaide uh, to actually uh, come and uh, hear Camille speak and uh, love to be able to shake your hand and say hello to listeners to Faith in the Future, listeners to the 2020 program. Uh, Camille, let me, let's move on. We're we're going to be taking calls, uh, 1-800-316-316. Give us a call if you have a question or a comment to make. One of the biggest issues that the world is baffled by and where we are looking for Uh, insight from God's Word as to how things are happening the way they are. Let me ask you about issues of terrorism, of jihad, of culture wars that are going on around the world, of global hotspots. What are your thoughts uh, when it comes to global trends with these issues? Well, where do we even begin, Neil? (laughs) That's That's a smorgasbord out there. And these are things I do talk about, but All of this, again, seems to fall, if I may be so simplistic, back into that banner of of the shaking. When the old order is being challenged, and it's being challenged in several directions, like by jihadism and like by the culture war. And I'm not sure how many of our listeners understand what's going on here when they hear that term. Maybe some of them aren't even familiar with it. But the the thing is, this culture war is really like a battle from within the Western world. Jihadism is a battle or an assault from outside. But I've, I've always known that it's the battle within that poses far greater danger than the battle from outside. Think of it like a diamond. When a diamond is strong, obviously, so it doesn't matter how much pressure you put on it, you can't make it crack. But if it's not a diamond, or if that entity, be it a thing or a person, is weak on the inside or is battling within, then even the smallest tremors from without can do damage. I would say, see, the culture war has been going on longer than the overt jihadism or the modern manifestation of jihadism. And part of the reason I think that jihadism is gone as far as it's gone is because of the battle within Western culture. 
if the Western cultural battle wasn't like it was, then jihadism probably would not be so potent a force. And I, it's a comment that was made years ago by the Barnabas Fund, which is known for as a charity helping persecuted uh, Christians. And one of the things the Barnabas people said, I've never forgotten it, and they said it in Melbourne, where I live, and that is, if we in the West, and particularly the Church, would fulfill its call and be faithful to it, then these external things, e.g., like jihadism, would not even be a factor. We would, we would more than uh, surmount these. And I, I do believe that there is a lot of wisdom in those comments. So if we can solve the battle from within, then we will be in a better position to face the battle from without. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316, and you might have a question or a comment. Dr. Camille Majdali, our guest, let's hear from Graham in Tasmania. Hi, Graham, welcome Hello, along. Neil. Uh, the world and the nations of America and Australia, United Kingdom, they are lost. They are lost because they are cursed. Deuteronomy talks about that. And uh, the nations <coughs> around us, within our own are getting above us. And God said that you'll be cursed because you have turned away from me. And all these things are happening. The, the, the uh, Muslim peoples, there's a caliphate that runs right along North Africa. This is a, a setting of the lines of the nations. You've got nations, Russia's pushing, the Muslims pushing, the Europeans putting their back up against uh, Russia and the Muslims. And all this is part of God's plan to bring man to his knee, especially the nations of Israel. We are part of that lost troop, whether you believe it or not. It says in Scripture about the people, uh, go out and preach to my lost sheep. Uh, first preach to Israel, and then the lost sheep of Israel. And we're part of those lost sheep. Graham, uh, interesting thoughts in that. Uh, a response from Camille. Uh, Graham uh, appears to have made a reference uh, to the curse, or I think he was referring to Deuteronomy 28. Uh, and Deuteronomy 28 is a very, very potent passage because it says, if you diligently hearken to my commands, there will be a release of great blessing. But if you ignore the commands of God, then these curses will come and, and basically, you know, overtake. The good thing is, if, if, if this is the case, all right, if the Western world is, quote-unquote, under a curse because it hasn't been faithful to God or has turned away from Him, then just as you have mentioned to me just recently, Neil, I do have what is called the Samuel solution <laughs> from 1 Samuel 7, that whenever your enemies are more potent than usual and all the troubles are coming at once, and it, it seems like a curse. There is a way out, at least at this time. And the way out is, of course, return to God, diligently seek Him. It says in First uh, Samuel 7, put away the false gods that are before you, and, and obey the Lord only, and He will deliver you. And what is interesting, in the Samuel solution, he called ancient Israel to do precisely that, because their enemies were everywhere, they did exactly what Samuel said. God did a big miracle and scared the Philistines, who were just overpowering them at that time, scared them off, and it basically said the Philistines did not bother Israel again as long as Samuel was alive. 
And I thought to myself, there is a word for us in this. Anytime you face a crisis, you should be asking, is there a word from the Lord? And I believe that chapter, 1 Samuel 7, is, is a solution for us. I call it the Samuel solution. Just return to God, and God will do the rest. Thank you to Graham from Tasmania, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join in our conversation. And Camille, as we talk about Australia and the Samuel solution, some of us might say, well, as Christian believers, we can take note of that. We can hear the word of the Lord. We can repent. We can turn back to God. Uh, But what about our political leaders? Are they listening? Is that separate from what happens uh, within the hearts of Christian believers? How do we see that translate into the way that a whole nation might respond? That's an excellent question, Neil. And my response is, we are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are called to do what God has called us to do, namely to seek his face and and fulfill 2 Chronicles 7.14 to seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. And he's, who is he saying this to? If my people. doesn't even talk about <laughs> maybe the general population or, or the leadership. Just his people would do these things. He would forgive our sin and heal our land. So I believe there are prayer movements happening in Australia. God bless every single one of them, seeking God diligently for the good of the nation, recognizing, yes, we should be responsible citizens, we should be informed, we should vote, yes, we should even fill out our census, but beyond all that, we need to seek God, and as we do, as we do, He will do the rest. So I don't think, first of all, we don't need to have to automatically get political leaders on board before we seek God. Obviously, we can do that without anyone's permission, you know, freedom of, of worship here. But I do believe that for, uh, the other thing is some of our political leaders are Christians, and some of them would be very responsive to our invitation for these kind of things. That's why for years there's been the parliamentary prayer breakfast in Canberra, which I used to go to back in the late 90s and and so on. What we need to do is remember even our political leaders, especially the ones who believe, and even if occasionally those who don't, are appreciative that they know we're praying for them and that we want to support them in what we, that we do. So, well, again, to summarize, we can seek God, whether leadership's on side or not, and at the same time reach out to that leadership and show them what we believe God's saying, and we'd be surprised how many times they might be positively responsive to what we have gleaned by spending time in the presence of God. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth. Hello, Emmanuel. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Hello, Camille. Hi, um, Emmanuel. Hello. Um, I'm a bit troubled at the moment because I see a lot of pseudo-Christian um, branches um, rising up against Muslims um, and hating them and this kind of stuff. Um, I think the Bible is pretty clear that we should love our enemies. Why do you think that these pseudo sort of Christian breakaway groups are being so racist and um, hating towards Muslims? Oh, well, uh, that's a good question, Emmanuel. First of all, I have been saying for a while that uh, when we see Muslim people in our community, remember they are here 
because, well, they've sought refuge here. We believe in the sovereignty of God. God's allowed them here. We should see them as an opportunity rather than a threat in, in many cases. They make good neighbors. They are very hospitable. They are friendly. Why do people do that? Well, it's, I guess, human nature. See, Emmanuel, just because someone says they're Christian, and I'm not even talking about pseudos, I'm talking about even ones who really are Christian, unless we continue to follow God, as well as, and if, let me put it this way, if we're led by the Scriptures and by the Holy Spirit, and we're rightly related to the body of Christ, then we're going to be part of God's solution. However, even if we are in church, but we, we don't follow the Scriptures, we're not really a disciple, we're certainly not led of the Holy Spirit, we're still part of the problem, the problem of a fallen human nature. And then things like racism and hatred and all that become more explainable. So one of the things we're doing in Understanding the Times is calling people to a full-on commitment to God so that they will be part of the solution, so they will see the big picture, that they will see that Christ died for everyone, including our Muslim friends and neighbors. So when we have that perspective, we're not threatened, and nor are we threatening in return. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Dr. Camille Majdali, our guest, as he is launching this year's Understanding the Times tour in Alice Springs tonight. In fact, he's live from Alice Springs now on the line, and uh, you can be a part of our conversation. We've got time for another two or three calls, uh, potentially. Uh, Camille, let's take a call from Ruth, who is in Adelaide. Hello, Ruth. Welcome along. Hello, Neil and Camille. Um, Camille, I'd really like to encourage you to to stick your neck out a little bit more because I'm a little concerned with sometimes the euphemisms and semantics, you know, jihadism rather than Islamism. Just listening to the last caller, I I don't believe that it is pseudo-Christian to reject error and false religion. I think we are commanded to love all people, but not to love their wrong beliefs and to embrace those wrong beliefs. And I think that's where the the confusion or a distinction needs to to be made. A time to stand up and be counted. Uh, Camille, your thoughts uh, thoughts on what Ruth is sharing? Okay, Ruth, thank you for your forthright (laughs) thoughts. Uh, Jihadism, I think, is a pretty accurate and uh, appropriate term. I I don't think that's uh, hiding behind the the bushel there. As far as uh, we do... We still think it is wisdom to make a distinction, regardless with Islam or any other religion or any other people group, to distinguish the people or adherents versus the actual theology of the religion they follow. Bearing in mind that in many cases, people who belong to a religious group may not know all that much about that group or the theology of which it stands. So I like to... I. Personally, think it's good to make that distinction, and I think as far as jihadism, it's it's a pretty potent term. 
Thank you so much to Ruth from Adelaide. And uh, we're going to be in Adelaide on Sunday. And I'll be there as well, parachuting in, we're calling it, uh, to be a part of the Understanding the Times Tour presentation at the C3 Church in Salisbury, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And and on Sunday afternoon, the Uniting Church in Port Elliot. Uh, looking forward to meeting those listeners in Port Elliot. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Robin in Cabramatta in Sydney. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Uh, look, I'd like to make, ask um, Camille. It's actually, firstly, I have to ask, is he an ex-Muslim? Because if he is, he might understand this answer better. Um, uh, there is a group, the Sufis, I think. They're a, a religious group within Islam who, have, who sort of have a devotion to God. Uh, you know, a mystical thing, whereas the other ones don't so much. And I think they're the ones that claim that Jesus has been, or is, what is it, issue, has been noted in the Quran and worship him, and that there have been a few of Muslims that have come to know Christ through this. Um, not I don't know whether they say he's the same one, you know, that's coming back to rule and only only Muslims be in charge. I'm not too sure whether the Sufis believe that. Uh, Robin, but, uh, good thoughts in there. Uh, let's talk about some mysticism, mystical Islamic groups, the Sufis, and uh, your own background too, Camille, uh, in response to Robin. Okay, to, thank you, Robin, for, for your comments. I am not an ex-Muslim <laughs> at all, uh, but... To answer the thing, Sufism is a branch of Islam known as the mystics. I am not that familiar with them, and I'm not familiar how much of them is part of the normal Islam and how much part of that is heterodoxy, as they call it. I, I can't say. But I do know that there are Muslim people who come to faith in Christ with or without the mysticism. And in fact, the biggest amount of Muslim people coming to Christ in the world today, the biggest amount of people coming to Christ full stop in the world, happens to be in Iran, of all places. And so, Holy Spirit is at work, and for that we rejoice. Robin from Cabramatta, thank you so much for your insight and your input today here on 2020. And we do have to draw some things to a close, Camille. Uh, great getting your insights. And really, we have only just scratched the surface uh, for listeners who would like to uh, hear a deeper presentation. Uh, keep your eye out uh, for where Camille may be coming to a town or a city near you. The Understanding the Times tour kicks off tonight in Alice Springs. And then uh, Camille flying into Adelaide to speak at two churches on Sunday. I mentioned that uh, looking forward to that because I'm going to be there alongside Camille at the start of his presentation on each of those days, the C3 Church in Salisbury, 10 a.m. on Sunday, and also the Uniting Church in Port Elliot. But there's lots and lots of other places. Camille, last year you did this tour. Uh, and it was exhausting for you, but uh, I guess you're anticipating that it's going to be hard work over this coming month. Neil, I don't see it as exhausting. I see it as exhilarating. Both my wife, Leanne, and I had an amazing time last year. It was a great adventure. So, yes, it's a one-month tour, and we will go from coast to coast, but we look forward to it greatly, and we look forward to meeting as many listeners as possible. 
So you can get those dates and where Camille will be speaking in various states all around Australia, go to vision.org.au. You'll find the Understanding the Times tab. Just click on that link and you'll find those dates. Camille, just great getting your insights. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow in Adelaide. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.